have your Bible, to you just stand with me? Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Putting on the new man. Colossians 3. We'll begin in verse 10, read through verse 14. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 10. These are the words of the Lord. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, the Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bounds of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, Put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and I pray that our lives will show that. We're thankful, Lord, that you came into our lives with the Holy Spirit, and God, you've changed us. And I pray today that we will live our lives according to your word, challenge our hearts, and draw us near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Putting on the new self. Putting on the new man. If you are a Christian this morning, you ought to dress the part. And that's what Colossians 3 verse 10 is really all about. How we ought to dress now we are saved. And I want you to realize the Bible is not speaking here about our physical clothing. But the Bible is speaking about the spiritual clothing we wear. The Bible is speaking about the style of life, dressing in a way that accommodates our identity. And if you're born again, you are a new creature in Christ. And once we're born again, there's some old clothes that we've got to get rid of, but there's some new clothes that go along with being a child of God. The moment we were saved, the day we gave our life to Christ, when we believed, He redeemed us, and the Bible says the old man died. We're no longer who we used to be. The old man died. We were born again. <clears throat> we are a new person in Christ. And the new man, the new self, doesn't want to wear the old man's clothes any longer. That's the point of Colossians chapter 3. We don't want to put on those filthy rags we used to wear. We want to be clothed with that robe of righteousness. We want to look like children of the living God. And that's what Colossians 3 is all about. Us dying with Christ, 
being raised to a new life, getting rid of our old clothes, the old garments, and putting on a brand new kind of wardrobe, a brand new lifestyle that accommodates the new life we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean when the Bible said to put off the old man and to put on the new man? Don't make it complicated. Don't even It may sound complicated, but the bottom line, it comes down to a decision. It is a simple act of faith. So how do we put on the new man? Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewing the spirit of our mind, second of all, by being filled with the spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. The third way we put on the old man is renewing of our mind for the one new man. We're a new creature in Christ. And we need to begin to think that way so we can live that way. Colossians 3 and 11. And put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, or free, but Christ is all in all. So what's the Bible saying? When I think about putting on the new man, the new self, once we are born again, And we have to realize it is impossible to come to victory over the sin in my life if I don't change the way I think. I have to change my mindset. Again, in verse 9, the Bible says, See that you put off the old man and put on the new man. There has to be a change in our lives. Ephesians 4, 22. Put off concerning your former conduct the old man which goes corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So the bottom line is this. Putting off the old man is a decision that I make to stop serving my own lust and to stop serving sin. And again, that requires an act of faith. Putting on the old man <coughs> is a decision that we make to start serving God and serving the will of God in our lives. We no longer desire to pursue our own selfish desires. But I think the key to this is, especially for uh, young Christians, maybe a lot of older Christians, understanding our new self. Understanding who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to let you know today, folks, When it comes to our walk with God, it matters what we know. Amen. And the only way to know what God wants is to be in His Word. Regularly. Daily. Reaping the truths of God's Word. And I am convinced that there are many Christians in churches today who totally misunderstand their life in Christ and because of their misunderstanding they needlessly struggle with their Christian faith. Folks, I want you to understand something. Jesus is real. Grace is great, it's good, and it's real. God gives us all we need to live a life of godliness. 
And as I said earlier, it does matter what we know. In our text this morning, in verses 10 through 14 of Colossians 3, Paul gives us, and hear me well, a theological understanding of our Christian life. And I know a lot of people, when they hear that word theology, their mind just turns off. My friend, we need theology. And we need biblical theology. What does the Bible say? And may I also tell you this morning, what you think doesn't matter. That's right. What I think doesn't matter. What matters is what does the Bible say? So here in these three or four verses, in verses 10 to 14, Paul clarifies a theological understanding of my Christian life. And in summary, Paul says, we have put on a new nature when you're saved. Paul says that we are being renewed as we learn to know more about our Creator and we become more like Him. And the Bible says, and hear me well, in this new life, Christ is all that matters. Amen. doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, Scythian, bond or free, black or white, male or female. In this new life, Jesus is all that matters. He's all in all, and He's in you, and He's in me. And then Paul says, not only is He all that matters, He lives in all of us. And what the Bible says here should affect our approach to life. Jesse mentioned our former pastor, Brother Jerry, and he's just come out with a new CD, and uh, he sent copy to me yesterday. I think he sent you a movie one as well. And it, I think it's a great CD. If you'd like to have one, I think for uh, 20 bucks you can have one. Mine was free, but he's going to charge you, I think. But anyway, he was talking last night. You know, the problem is uh, people don't listen to CDs anymore. And so uh, technology is constantly changing. And Brother Rick made a comment, it's leaving us old people in the dust, right? And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I think our car is a 2016 Buick. I think it has a CD player in it still yet. Uh, but I remember when we had a track tapes. Anybody remember that? Well, that's the Stone Ages, isn't it? And then it, when they went to, went to cassette tape, that was a big thing, you know. And uh, so I guess now you, you download on iTunes. I'm not sure what. Uh, but technology is changing. And I confess, uh, even when it comes to computers or smartphones, uh, kind of lag behind in, in those areas. And, but but I, I, do, I think it would help us understand what, what I, if I understand my computer at home, and it, it, I've had it for quite a while now, and, and I, don't, I don't know exactly how old it is. Jeremy helped me set it up. Uh, but it, it comes, it, it came with a, an operating system for that computer. And if I understand it correctly, every computer uses an operating device uh, some sort of underlying software, and that software provides a lot of the basic functions on that computer. The applications, the programs there, uh, they would use that software to carry out whatever the purpose of that application might be 
in that area. And our bodies are kind of like a computer. Now, my computer hasn't changed. The software hasn't changed. Uh, but I've had it a while, and my computer is getting older. And I also realize that my body is kind of like that computer. The, the software hasn't changed, but it's getting older. It's getting older. But here's what's interesting. When I became a new believer, my body gained a new operating system. Now hear me. And because of that, my body, at that time, like a computer, began to run by this new system. So the old man's died. And for lack of a better term, I've got brand new software. Christ in me. And now I run by that brand new system. <clears throat> now again, I, I don't know a lot about computers. And if it hadn't been for Jeremy, I, I wouldn't be able to get the one I have. And he took uh, what I, some of what I had on my old computer. And he reinstalled that, uh, what he needed. Some of it on my new, some of my files that I was using. But it came with a new software. The same is true in our life. And we have to understand something. As a child of God, the old software, if you choose, can be reinstalled. But we need to understand something. We can only operate by one operating system at a time. And my friend, we need to operate with Christ in us, being made new in the problem is, the new life that I have now is completely new, a completely new operating system, and this new life runs contrary to the old one that I had, the old man. And I want to tell you, for me, that's great news. I am not who I used to be. I operate different because of Christ in me. And because of that, because of Christ in us, we don't need to live the old way of life. We don't have to be focused on fulfilling our own needs, fulfilling our own desires. We don't have to focus on being filled with anger or wrath or sensuality. But we need to live according to this new life in Christ. And this new life in Christ focuses on serving God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible, and, and now I speak of my new identity. And I want you to realize I've not just been improved, but Jesus Christ makes us radically different because now He lives in us. Amen. He lives in us. The first part of our text in Colossians 3, verses 10 and 11, it gives us the truths about our identity about our identity. How many know, in spite of what the world says, truth never changes? Truth never fluctuates. I mean, truth is truth, and a lie is a lie. And it cannot be confused. They are totally separate. So the Bible states the truth about my identity in Christ in verse 10 and 11, and then verses 12 through 14, it shows me how those truths apply to my life. So here's some great news. 
As a child of God, we have God's Word. And not only does He tell us how, He tells us the what. Here's how and who you are. You're there because of Christ. And you need to live that life. How? Because Christ lives on us. But also, those truths will affect the way you live. So in verse 10 to 11, the Bible clarifies our true identity. Look again, if you will. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all in all. Whether people want to admit this or not, facts matter. And I also want you to know what the Bible says matters. God's Word is our final authority. Not me, not any other preacher, not even the Pope. God's Word is our final authority. And I want to share some facts. Five Christian facts from this passage. And Paul uses these five facts and he helps to show us the various aspects of the great redemptive plan of God. My friend, God didn't save us so we could live like we used to. Amen. God saved us because He had a redemptive plan for our life. Fact number one. If you are a Christian, you have put on the new man. You have put on the new man or the new person, the new self. Now, our our old self, our old lifestyle, animated our old being. The old, simple life that we live the selfish ambition that we had, those desires. But now Jesus, the Spirit of God, His Holy Spirit, comes to us and He brings life to our new person. We have put on the new man. Fact number one. Fact number two. The life or power of this new self, this new man, it can be strengthened. We are renewed in knowledge. We can be strengthened every day. But my friend, if you don't spend time in God's Word, you won't be strengthened. We put on the new man, and it can be strengthened. Number three, the new man has a purpose. We have been destined to be like God. To be like our Creator. Again, Colossians 3.10. Having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, notice this, according to the image of him who created him. So if we have a purpose, we are destined to be like our God. Not to be God, to but live our lives according to him. The fourth fact that Paul gives us, he said this renewal is the same for all believers. Amen. It is the same. Christ is all, but Paul said He's in all. If you're born again, Christ is in you. But you know the problem I see today in churches? There are a lot of people who think they're born again, but they're not. 
Folks, if Christ does not live in you, the Spirit of God does not live in you, you have not been born again. So that renewal is the same for all believers. Fact number five. We all develop together into Christ's fullness. In other words, the body grows. Let me pause here just for a second here for the question. Are you developing into the fullness of Christ? Are you growing? Now, it is true that Christians grow at different rates. I understand that. But my friend, if you are not growing in your walk with God at all, if you don't see a change in your life, it's not, if it's not evidence in the way you talk, in the way you walk, in the way you think, in what you do, if you don't see that evidence, I would question my salvation. Because Christ is in all of those who come to Him. And again, the Bible is speaking about a new man. And these are not a new self, if you will. These are not empty words. But what the Bible is doing here, it summarizes our new life activity flowing through the lives of every born-again Christian. It flows through our lives. And this development leads us all toward the goal of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29 For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. When I was living in sin, my old self animated who I was. You could tell it by the way I talked, by the things I did, the places I went. And so the old self animated my old being. And the same is true when we come to Christ. The old self is dead, and now Jesus Christ Himself is animating our lives. He is drawing us closer and closer to being like God. But if we live in unbelief, and we think that uh, things that are not according to the truth, then the only thing that will happen will end up being confused, and you'll live a tragic life. Now understand, Christ wants to live in us. He wants to be our life. And He lives in our life to carry out His plans and His ways. Galatians 2.20 The Bible says, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself Five facts. We put on the new man. This new man can be renewed. Our purpose is to be like Christ, to be like God. The renewal is the same for all believers. Christ lives in all of us if you're born again. And we all grow together 
into the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand, those are some very powerful truths. Truths from the Word of God. Facts from the Word of God. And every one of them have a, a great implication in our lives. And if we don't know or believe how important these things are, if we don't understand that we are new creatures in Christ, if we don't understand the old man has died, if we don't understand we can be renewed in strength every day in our walk with God, if we don't understand we are growing together, if we don't understand that this renewal is for every believer, we'll be confused. There'll be a great tension in our lives. And you'll ask yourself, why does not my faith work? What's wrong with my life? And I want to say this one, that the reason training in the Word of God is so important, that's the reason getting in the Word of God is so important, that's the reason discipleship is so important, because the bottom line is this, we have to have the right mindset, and we need to be trained. It doesn't happen automatically. My friends, I'm, I'm going to give it to you straight. It doesn't happen once a week either on Sunday morning. It doesn't happen just on Sunday morning. You see, discipleship helps us to learn how to live out the life of Christ. And without that kind of training, you will find and you will face enormous misunderstandings of God. And my friend, I see it happen in the church all the time. You will develop enormous misunderstandings of the gospel. You have a misunderstanding of your life. And all it does is cause more misunderstandings. And it makes us susceptible to Satan's desire to destroy our walk with God. My friend, we need consistent training in the Word of God. Check your life out. How deep in the Word of God are you? Are you growing? Are you taking the Word of God in? And so, one thing we have to talk about, one of the aspects of the redemptive work of God is putting on the new man. Another aspect of knowing our the redemptive plan of God is to affirm our true identity. Look at verse 12 through 14. Therefore, that's interesting, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even if Christ forgave you, so you must, so also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is a bond of perfection. One of the parts of God's plan of redemption, putting on the new man, but also affirming our true identity, and the Bible gives us some guidance on how to live out our spiritual lives. The problem is, we are often not familiar with what the new life 
means practically? How do we live it out? What does it look like in the real world? I mentioned my lack of knowledge on computer stuff a moment ago. But I do remember when Jeremy came and um, when I bought a new computer or whatever you buy, you know, hard drive, I don't know what it is, but he showed me some differences about what was different about what I had before. And I, I, I don't know about you, I don't like change. Just keep it the same, right? But anyway, if he hadn't taken that time to explain to me some different things I had to do, whether it be open my Word or uh, my Excel, whatever it was, but it was helpful. It was helpful to have someone who knew a little bit about it to show someone who knew very even less about it. So I appreciate that. And it's interesting, applying it to our walk with God, even short instructions unlock so much potential. And it's true as we walk and we learn with God. And so here in verses 12, Paul gives us three truth facts. These are things we know. Colossians 3.12 Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. First of all, Paul says, if you're a Christian, you've been chosen by God. Amen. How many like to be chosen? Sure, nobody wants to be left out. We've been chosen by God. God chose us. He chose me before I chose Him. Second Thessalonians 2.13 But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. 1 John 4.19 We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. I know you never have times where you get the molly grubs. You ever get those? You're kind of down. You don't know why. I want to tell you, folks, if we choose on the fact that we're chosen of God, it will encourage your heart. To know that God came to us. To know that He's chosen us from the foundation of the world to be saved. We are chosen of God. Paul goes on there in verse 12. We're the elect of God, but we're also holy. What does it mean? The day you were saved, God set you aside to live in His holy presence. One of these days, how many know if you're a child of God, we're going to see Him face to face? Amen. Amen. And because we've been chosen for that, because of that we are holy. And because we are set aside to live in His presence, that in itself is the reason we ought to live holy now. 1 Peter 1.16 Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I want to speak a moment on this topic. 
One of these days we will stand in His presence. But how many know that today we can live in His presence? Think about that. Staying in God's presence is deeply personal and it is a spiritual And I wonder this morning, how many of us, how many of you can say, you know what, God, I am. I am consistently staying in your presence. How do you do that? And and there may be different ways for different people, different practices. But let me give you two or three time-tested ways to continue to have a sense of connection with the Lord, of staying in His presence. Now, by the way, those of you who are here today who said, you know what, Pastor? I know what you're talking about. There's times when I'm at home, I'm reading God's Word, and I just feel His presence. He overwhelms me. There's times when I'm driving down the road, keep your eyes open, and you're meditating on what God has said to you or your prayers, you sense His presence. It is so real. So let me give you some practical ways. Number one, through prayer and meditation. Prayer and meditation. I, I think I've got about, I don't know, 35 or 40 people that's on my prayer list every morning. I send out every morning. And uh, I, I don't want to remind you, I do it with a voice. I don't type it. And I try to watch my phone does to correct the word, put a wrong word. And I, I know I miss it sometimes. But I, I got to tell you, I'm not making excuses. I'm praying to God. I'm trying to record it at the same time. And I try to watch, but sometimes when I get caught up in His presence, it's hard to do. So I apologize if, if anything comes out wrong. Please know I didn't intend it to be that way. But I know this. morning prayer that I send out is it's not just words that I say. It's because I spent time that morning. And a lot of my prayers, I pray as I'm reading God's Word. God speaks to my heart about a need in my life or whatever. And it's very personal to me because I know I'm in His presence. And that's why it's important, church, that we regularly engage in prayer and meditation. Because as we do that, it allows us to communicate with God. Communicate with the one who loves you and to listen for His guidance. And that's why it's important to find a quiet place. It's important to focus our mind and open our hearts. And that's the way we connect with His divine presence through prayer and meditation. A second way is Reading the Word of God. Reading the Bible. Now, I will say, and I'm not bragging, just a fact, that somebody inspired me to do some years ago now. There's not a day go by that I don't read at least one chapter of the Bible. Period. Most days I read more than that, but at least one chapter from the Word of God. And I found out not just reading, but studying the Scriptures. 
My friend, it's here we find wisdom. It's here we read about God's plan for man. It's here we read about what God wants to do for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's here we find guidance. It's here we deepen our understanding of God. And the problem is, so many Christians are living a shallow life because they never get into the Word of God. And here's what's interesting. And here's what you'll find to be true. And that's why I like to do my Bible reading of the morning. Because throughout the day I can reflect on what I've read. And I can take what I've read and apply it to my life. So get into the Word of God. Prayer and meditate. Read the Bible. The third thing is gratitude. We need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. We need to acknowledge God's blessings, and we need to express how thankful we are to Him. So how do I cultivate that kind of life? Through prayer and meditating on God, reading the Word of God, and cultivating an attitude the Bible says we're chosen, says we're holy, but the third thing it says, we are beloved. We are loved by God. How many know that nobody loves you like God loves you? How many know that nobody loves us like Jesus loves us? That word beloved means to be greatly loved. We are God's beloved children. And as Jesse sang this morning, it's only by grace because we don't deserve His love, yet God has chosen to give us His love. He has chosen to pour His love out on us. And God has favored us by treating us kindly. God has favored us by treating us graciously. And God longs to be near us. Thank you, Lord. I need to ask you a question and be honest. Don't, don't say it out loud, okay? Aren't there times in your life you wish people would just go away? Somebody would just go away. Uh, several times we've been to Jesse and Trisha's house throughout the years for a birthday party. But once the party's over, guess what Jess wants you to know? Time to go home, right, Jess? <laughs> but understand this, folks. God longs to be near you. He really is. Colossians 2 6. As you have therefore received Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. The word received is past tense. And if you've received Christ, that's what happens. That will have a continuing influence. What does it mean to put on the new man? It means our conduct should match our faith. If you are a Christian, you should act like it. And being a Christian means more than making a good resolution. Being a Christian is more than having good intentions. It means taking the right action. Living like 
God wants me to do. And the straightforward step is as simple as putting on our clothes. Get rid of ourselves. Get rid of the evil practices. Get rid of the immorality. And then we can commit ourselves to what the Word of God teaches. And my question is, if you've made that commitment to Christ, if you've made that commitment, are you staying true to it? Does your life reflect it? And if not, what clothes do you need to take off? Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we, we bow our hearts before you today in worship. We are so unworthy on our own, but through Jesus Christ, we have been made worthy. And I pray this morning for everyone who's here, for those who know Christ, I pray that they are being strengthened and renewed every day as they pray and meditate, read the Word of God, and develop an attitude of gratitude. But Lord, I'm convinced there are some here today and some listening online If they ever made a commitment, they're not maintaining it. They're not walking daily with Christ, and their life shows they are not. And oh, they need to repent. They need to repent and come to you. Change the way they live and turn to Christ. And I pray that right now we'll make the right decision to take off the old. morning.